4: New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me, because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis... Get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.
3: You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, Stuber Gear is with us. I've known Stu for over a decade, which means... um, he is getting old. I am getting old. This is the reality of life all around us. You know him from the Glenn Beck radio program. And Stu Does America, a TV show as well as podcast, which you should all check out. Stu, good to see you, sir. How's, how's everything going? Oh,
3: my man. Uh, going really well. How about
0: you? It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You know, I'm a Florida resident now. So you with your whole, oh, Texas, freedom, America stuff, you know. Florida, we're we're doing pretty good stuff here. Actually, let me ask you, how is it going in Texas? Because I, I know Texans that they love Texas, but they don't so much necessarily love who's in charge in Texas all the time. How's it been going over there?
3: Yeah, it's been an interesting dynamic over the past couple of years because, you yeah. know, as you remember, when we were together up at the blaze, we were in New York City and we were just used to constantly terrible leadership all the time. The government was always oppressive and always terrible. And it's only you know, gotten worse. And so we, I still have a ton of friends who are up there. And when I talk to them, they look at, still look at Texas, I think the same way. And they say, wow, there's a place they actually have freedom there, no state income tax. Like you can actually do stuff that you wanna do and not be cracked down on by the government. And from their perspective, it's that way. When I come down here, a lot of the people now here are like lifelong Texans and to them, We've moved into a communist dictatorship of some sort, uh, you know, because there's just so many controls and and there's a lot of like gubernatorial like uh, jealousy right now with DeSantis. Like everyone looks at DeSantis and saying, "Well, why aren't we doing that? How come he's doing that and we're not doing that?" And I think there's an element of of truth in there. I think DeSantis has been the most successful, really, like grabbing uh, that news cycle and finding the things that conservatives care about. But like, you know, I I bring this example up from time to time. It was Greg Abbott who started sending migrants up to big cities uh, up north first. DeSantis sent them to Martha's Vineyard and he got all the press and all the adoration. Both DeSantis and Ducey in in Arizona actually did that before DeSantis did it. Um, But, you know, look, you got two great states there. I love Texas. I freaking love it. I've lived in Florida as well. I loved it there. DeSantis, I think, has done an incredible job. Uh, you know, over the past few years, and you know, voters certainly showed that in this last election, where he wins by what, nineteen points.
0: Yeah, and the the busing to New York of of the uh, migrants who who have entered the country illegally. By the way, I, I think you're. We I talk about that story a lot on the air, but it's a good point. I don't necessarily. It it somehow doesn't get attached. Like the branding of that issue hasn't really been. These are migrants. Now, I'm not sure if all of them are, but a lot of them are migrants that I believe was started by by Abbott. And it has it has forced a different conversation on that issue because the mayor of New York City, as I'm sure you've seen. And, you know, you, Glenn, and, and Stu, uh, Pat, sorry, <laughs> I've been talking sure. about um, that uh, it's really expensive. I mean, it's going to cost the city something like two billion dollars. And everyone goes, wait, hold on a second. So if 40,000 migrants just to deal with like getting them settled and everything in the first year cost two billion dollars. What does five million migrants cost? to what does eight million migrants cost?
3: Yeah, and throw them in areas, you know, cities of eight thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand people on the border that have no infrastructure to deal with this whatsoever. This has been the life of every border state uh, for a very long time, and you know, like at some level, the idea of sending illegal immigrants to you know Kamala Harris's uh, residence and and send it outside of New York and Chicago is almost like more of a talk radio caller idea than a actual policy. And when I heard it, it was like, you know, first of all, it's a great idea, it would make a great point, but it's a symbolic gesture and, you know, it's not gonna solve the problem on the border, certainly. But I will say, it's actually been much more successful than I imagined when I first heard of the idea, because it has put these liberal um, mayors in this position where they can't hide, they can't say, oh, those mean racists down there on the border, They have to embrace every piece of our analysis of the border situation to get help from anyone. They have to sit here and beg to the media, please make them stop. This is impossible to deal with. And when you think of a city like New York with the resources they have, Washington DC with the resources they have, the fact that they can't deal with just a few illegal immigrants really shines a light on what Arizona has had to go through, what Texas had had to go through, and even California and New Mexico as well.
0: You feel like, El Paso, as a city, probably has a budget that, you know, wouldn't cover a, a few months of NYPD overtime, right? I mean, right, you know, right. not not exactly, but you get what I mean. It's it's the notion that the the border towns, and I've been down to them, I've been down to El Paso to the border to see. I know you guys spend a lot of time, you're in Texas, spend, all, uh, spend a lot of time at the border. McAllen, like, you know, McAllen's not rolling in municipal cash, right? This idea that they should be handling all this is crazy. But uh, to your also to your point about... Uh, how it's worked out better than you anticipated. The Martha's Vineyard thing, I'll be I thought this I underestimated the awfulness and hypocrisy of rich coastal libs. And, and I come from the rich coastal lib enclave of New York City, right born and raised. I usually get I usually know exactly what they're going to do. I figured uh Stu, that they were going to drop these migrants there and just for the knowing that the country was watching in the stunt, they would all just do the Oh my gosh, this is amazing and we're going to, you know, we can't let's have all the all classroom instruction has to be bilingual now and like we're let's you know celebrate Sanco de Mayo but every month or you know they would just come up with some thing, you know what I mean? Some yeah. some way of of creating this. And actually they freaked out and then they realized they were freaking out and everyone saw them freak out. And then they pretended like they were cool with it for about six hours until they got them on a military transport back to the mainland.
3: Oh, yeah. That, uh, could it have been more glorious to watch that process play out? Because you're right. They, I thought we'd get that, that thing, that, 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 that acting job, right? You'd have that, that uh, well, well, we love you. We're so excited they're here. And you know what? Those stupid Texans and stupid Floridians thought they could send people up here and they would get us angry, but no way. Instead, they completely took the bait. They, you know, they got them off the island in 10 seconds. And it wasn't until like a week or so after they got them off the island that they started coming up with this, what do you mean? We loved having them here. Are you crazy? They were great. But they, they, kicked, they booted them off that island as fast as they could. It's funny, uh, when that was going on, uh, I, I actually was visiting a mutual friend of ours in, in Nantucket, which is a neighboring uh, island there. V- very, and,
0: very similar. Very fancy. You definitely want to bring your top hat and monocle along with your sunscreen.
3: Oh, yes. And I did. I had three monocles and I brought uh-huh. two of them. I wanted to make sure I had a backup. Um, but, you know, you're out there and it's like, I paid a lot of money for this flight. I'm staying at a friend's house. He paid a lot of money for this house. This is an incredible place to be. The idea that the media came out and be like, I can't believe they stranded them on Martha's Vineyard. Like I, would, people yeah. pay to go to Martha's Vineyard. It's a really nice place. They got a couple of uh, you know a couple of days of uh, sunshine and in the summer, and it was I don't right. know. I mean, it was a treat. I wanted to get on one of those
0: flights. M- I was going to say most people. The issue with Martha's Vineyard in the summer is they can't afford to go, and they can't find a room even if they could afford it. But they acted like. They drop these migrants in the middle of you know Death Valley or something, right? In yes. the middle of like a the, you know like fifty miles outside of Barstow, and you know gave them five dollars and said, "See what happens." It's like no, actually. But I, you know, I I wonder where does the where does the immigration issue go for Democrats? Because you know Biden, he's he's started to make some moves. Like I guess a toward the center isn't really right, just slightly less crazy. Right, toward the center sounds like it's good faith, but it just. Um, you know, they're looking at different authorities that they could use to expel migrants once they don't have the Title 42 anymore. What do you think happens? Like, does this just the numbers are getting the numbers are getting crazy, kind of like our debt, right? The numbers, yeah. though, of migrants coming to the country. I think the most recent st- one that I saw was so far in Biden, it's between six and eight million. Does that sound right?
3: It sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, which is an incredible number over such a short period of time. You know, uh, I, to, uh, you know I, I bet you agree with this as well, Buck, but like, I think one of the most embarrassing things I have seen since I've been following politics was the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Like, I think it was one of the worst things our country's ever done, the way that was handled um, and uh, the way we left so many people behind and what a, the apocalypse that went on for that, you know, those few weeks and months as we decided to just kinda like, yeah, we're just gonna leave everybody behind and see what happens. And what I, what I find fascinating about that is they pulled that issue about six months after the withdrawal. And they went through the issues of how, uh, how good of a job is Joe Biden doing? And, and Afghanistan was second worst. The border was below Afghanistan and the withdrawal, which was something that even liberals kind of came on board on and said, like, okay, this was a, you know, kind of a, a disaster. Unless you're on MSNBC, you were allowed to admit that. And, you know, people look at that issue and really see it as a not only a weakness, but a constant weakness since day one, when he got into office. And because of Title 42, we still haven't seen the worst of it. So I think there's a a real, there's a bit of a political awakening in in the White House where they say, and and again, not Joe Biden's never awake, but I'm saying like his advisors that are saying, hey, we do have an election coming up. If Title 42 goes down and it is a complete catastrophe at the border, even a lot of our voters are going to notice that and say, we, you know, we blew it on this one. So they're trying to make steps, I think, to minimize. I don't think they care that this many people come in across the border. I think long-term they're fine, but they don't want that feeling of crisis. And so the media is usually really nice to work along with them on this and, and make it look like it's not a pending crisis. But at some point it can, it can spin out of control. I think they'll try to control it to keep it under wraps. But honestly, when Title 42 goes down, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it
0: yeah I don't think that they have the structures in or rather they've dismantled whatever structures were in place legally and otherwise to really be able to to do um anything about it once title forty two goes um why hasn't the g o p been able to capitalize on this more politically
3: Well, they're terrible at it too it would be more, would be answer number one in reality they're terrible at it too, but i think because um You know, because Biden has been so bad on this, and of course Obama was previously as well. I don't even know that it matters that much that they're bad. I think just being slightly less bad would be a positive choice for America on the border at this point. Um, I think there's been an unsuccessful attempt to uh, do a couple of things. One is uh, really talk about the border and bring it to people's attention in a way that people can understand. I think there's like a hesitance by some on the right to say, hey, like what they're doing to people on the border who are trying to come here illegally is inhumane. This is not just um, a wrong and bad policy for the United States and bad policy for people in these cities, but it's also just inhumane what they're doing to uh, migrants that are coming over the border. Because we have this sense of rule of law, which is we want people to you know, not cross the border illegally, we, we kind of, I think, shy away at times from showing the real inhumanity of this, and of course the media's not gonna do it. It's important to make sure we show the inhumanity of the people and how they're being treated when they come across the border, and then promptly send them back uh, to their, their home countries. In addition to that, highlighting, and this is when I think, you know, Trump certainly did very, very well on this, and others have as well, highlighting the crimes that do occur when people do cross. Um, no one's saying that every, they, they come back with this every time. Oh, well, you know, immigrants actually, they always do this. Migrants actually have a lower uh, crime percentage than, uh, than U.S. citizens. Well, first of all, they always in illegal immigrants and legal immigrants. And it's important, I think, for a positive vision of conservatism to say, hey, legal immigrants, come here. But uh, we, we would love that. Come here through the legal process. We're gonna manage that process. We're gonna manage how many people come, who they are, what industries they're going into. That's all part of our right as a sovereign country. But we would love to have people who love America to come here and make us stronger. I mean, America is partially great because we're a bit of an all-star team, right? Like, we had the best people from all around the world who were like, "Yeah, hey, let's get out a boat and let's just go across the ocean. Let's see what happens. Those people are ballsy people that take chances and build great economies like this. So Too I think, you know... Analysis
0: so far, has been, uh, has been so sensible that I just think the entire audience is nodding in agreement. And so I want to give you the opportunity... To at least tick off some of the audience by talking about 2024 and Trump DeSantis (laughs) and how this well, you know this is a fun one. Oh man, we you're dealing with it every day. I'm dealing with it every day. I I wanna I wanna come back to that. But first, um, I don't even have to ask Stu. I know he's got My Pillows at home. I know he's sleeping on My Pillows. My pillows are amazing. And if you don't have them yet, folks, the My Pillow 2.0 is phenomenal. Mike Lindell invented the original My Pillow 20 years ago. And now the company's got this new technology, the MyPillow 2.0. This is what I've got on the bed. It's amazing. So I moved the original MyPillow to the guest bedroom, and now the MyPillow 2.0, that's on the main bed. Look, you're not going to be tossing and turning looking for the cool part of your pillow during the night anymore. The MyPillow 2.0 is an amazing deal right now. Buy one, get one free, because you're going to want two of them at least. Buy one, get one free when you use promo code BUCK. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special Square Get this buy one get one free offer on the My Pillow 2.0. Enter promo code Buck. Get your My Pillow 2.0 now. You're probably a My Slippers guy too, aren't you, Stu? I no, rock I mean, them. He sells.
3: He sells more My Slippers than My He actually, that's their best sellers, the My Slippers. I know. My Slippers, My Pillows. I got the sheets too. They're great.
0: Every member, I, there was one holdout in my family who had like slippers that he liked, you know, that weren't the My Slippers. I got everybody else, you know, the whole Sexton crew. I got my brothers, my parents, you know, every. And then he finally he finally succumbed. He tried them on. He's like, yeah, these are better. So I'm just saying, promo code BUCK, go to MyPillow.com. Um, Stu, let, let, let's let start with, broad broadly, 2024, 100% Joe Biden is the nominee for the Democrats, running obviously for re-election in your mind?
3: I think, you know, look, you're looking at a man who is 184 years old. So no, I do not think you could say 100% that he's the nominee. I will say that he's wanted this every moment of his life, and he did, he is still the president of the United States. So I believe he will run and be the nominee. I don't think you can, I, you know, I, outside of a health concern, I don't think there's any way that he does not become the, the nominee.
0: That's kind of the more specific, you know, is because obviously anybody, anyone could, you know, remember, uh, like Rudy Giuliani, even people forget he was going to be the senator from New York, most likely defeating Hillary Clinton. Now people can argue whether he would have defeated her, but he, remember he had cancer and he had to fight cancer. So that's always true. Barring a health related issue though, you don't think, cause there's all these theories. I'm sure you get people, lots of people writing in with the same kind of theories that I'm seeing, which is, Oh, they're going to pull some kind of a switch and it's Gavin Newsom or Kamala's going to ascend or whatever. Do you see that or, or not?
3: I don't. I, I think he's going to be the nominee It is very difficult. You know, I, we, you know, I do a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, We're one of the elections analysts here at the Blaze, and we look back at previous elections. It's just really hard to unseat someone who's already in office. It's very difficult. And Joe Biden, while unpopular, uh, is, you know, still has the advantages of the incumbency. You don't want to throw that away. It's really hard to take out an incumbent, a guy who can wrestle the news cycle whenever he wants, a guy who can do speeches on our dime for his campaign. I mean, that sort of stuff is so valuable to someone and you're not going to throw that away unless, unless the health thing really hits so hard. Um, or, you know, I mean, you know, if his approval rating dropped to 20%, they may push him out. He may get pushed out, but I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I don't think that's going to
0: happen. Yeah. I, mean, I think the power of the incumbency is such that if Joe Biden is able to speak, but they still have to push him around in a wheelchair, I still think that he runs for president. I, I, I don't yeah. think that, look, you know, people would say, uh, what was it, um, you're a big history guy. Didn't uh, was it? Woodrow Wilson. I was. Thank you. Woodrow, Woodrow. Wilson. Yeah. His wife was basically running the show while he was bedridden and completely incapacitated in the White House for many months.
3: Yeah, they will weekend at Bernie's this guy uh, all the way to the, the White House again if they can. I mean, they kind of did that in 2020. Right. He was just in his basement. He barely ever spoke. We didn't know if he could even, you know, he, he wouldn't even go outside. Uh, for months at a time. I mean, it was the perfectly designed campaign
0: for Joe Biden. So my my uh, co-host, whom you know as well, Clay, he recently he he we he's weekend at Bernie's is the way he likes to describe it too. Which by, I'm just going to tell everybody: I actually saw the movie because people are talking about the weekend at Bernie's presidency, whatever. I Doesn't what hold saying. up very well, and <laughs> and there's a weekend at Bernie's too. Did you know? Oh that? yeah, they there's did a, a sequel, second one.
3: For which the first one was so good. Like, just, I don't even know sure the they, first
0: one. You're just like, this is the dumbest premise I've ever seen. Anyway, it's so they're literally carrying this so like dead guy around or whatever. And it's so stupid. But I actually I brought up and Clay said that I had crossed like the nerd barrier threshold here. Um, like 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 too much. nerd. This was nerd crossing the streams. But I was like, well, I think it's kind of like Charlton Heston in, in El Cid uh, at the end of the you know, Charlton Heston, Sophia Loren. Are you you know that epic historical movie or am I that I crossed the nerd threshold too far?
3: You I can't but neither clay or I can see you. You're so far over the nerd threshold. At wow. this point. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry.
0: He is in total agreement with you. There were like a few people who wrote yeah. in that day. We're talking about it and they're like El Cid Charlton Heston. Great film. But they put El Cid, the Spanish commander during the Reconquista. He's dead. He's mortally wounded. I think he's like just died and they put him on a horse. And they have him lead the charge because he was such a feared general. it's, it's sort of like sort of like that, except you know it's not Joe Biden's not a general, nor is he feared, but you know you get the similar concept about just putting somebody forward. All right, now you know you have everyone said that, oh, it's just so fun to listen. you talk to Stu because Stu's so engaging, and I like all of his analysis. Trump DeSantis. how do you want to, how do you want to talk about this one? I cannot. I get you know what I don't want to say anymore because I'll start telling you what, what I end up dealing with if I play a DeSantis soundbite on the radio these days I get people furious at me I'm like I didn't even say anything Trump soundbite furious at me so you tell me
3: it's weird because I think about two weeks ago we all sort of agreed that DeSantis was doing a really good job and that Trump has had a lot of really good policies and well, they both had their role inside the conservative movement. That was two weeks ago. Now we're supposed to completely think each uh, each of them are Satan or God. Yep. I hate this stuff. Buck. I yeah. really do. Um, you know, look, I, there's going to be a battle here. I mean, DeSantis is going to get in the race. There's going to be a battle here. Um, and they're going to have their moments where they go at each other i didn 't even think DeSantis I mean DeSantis agreed the other day with with trump's you know being persecuted here by by Bragg in new york he didn 't even say it was wrong. He just came out and you know basically outlined why it was going on, and that was all of a sudden super controversial um, you know you see a different a difference in styles here, and you know trump is Trump is held to some other different a different standard for whatever reason. Trump can at- brutally attack DeSantis, and no one says oh that 's Trump being unfair. And DeSantis, you know, lightly attacks Trump and everyone asks if it's the apocalypse. I, I think that like the truth here is that look, the media and the left, rightly or wrongly, would like to face off against Donald Trump again. And the reason why I believe that's true is because they have what they see as a game plan. They look at it they lost in 2016, and so they could easily be wrong again in 2024 if he becomes the nominee. But they know they enter a race with, against Donald Trump at what, a minimum 47% of the vote? 47% of the vote is just ungettable for Donald Trump at this point because people can't stand him. Now, those people, a lot of times, are making completely irrational decisions based on things they should not make voting decisions on. I mean, I, I you know it's totally true, like people, uh look at trump and have this this bizarre reaction instead of treating him like a president or a president uh, you know a politician or just someone with ideas to consider they treat him as if you know he's insta satan and that is going to be a you know a problem for trump but not a not a problem he can't overcome with desantis they don't know what the the, the blueprint is yet they don't know what the game plan is to go against him they feel like Uh, They look at Florida and they they honestly are worried. This is a guy who won by 0.4% in one election and then won by 19 points four years later. That is not the sort of dynamic you want to go up against in an election where your guy is Joe Biden who can barely speak. So I think like we can all make fun of them for saying, hey, let's try that. We're going to go up against Trump again. We can easily beat him like they did in 2016 and got it through their head handed to them. But I do think that's the way they're looking at this right now.
1: Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm
1: Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcasts.
4: Rappaport's reality, the reality a little of bit. us. We're a figuring little bit. <laughs> out.
3: And if we had been recording these last
4: four or five days, Ooh. It, it, would Ooh, a, it would have been the been podcast juicy. would have
3: taken a, a a left
4: turn. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever
3: you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast.
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I I would uh, I would agree with your your assessment of this one. I just I, I guess I, I, want, I want a little off? I want a little commiseration here with. It's like it's like I can't win, you know. If yeah. if if, uh, if I mention DeSantis' name on the air, I'm on the payroll. It's because I live in Florida now. But if I don't mention him, well, then I'm leaving out something bad. You know, And the same thing, just flip it, flip it with Trump. Right. I'm like, man, Trump was a great president. DeSantis people are like, what are you doing, man? Like, we all know that it's got to be right. <laughs>
1: just, right. It's like we're,
0: we're so I... early on in this process that I'm sitting here. I'm just and and my thing is I keep telling everybody I'm like, I, I haven't decided yet. I haven't. I'm very open about that. I have not made a decision and it is not my job to try to decide for everybody else within the party. Beat Joe Biden, yes, that's you know on the record, just like you would be. But man, it is, whew, it's getting it's getting frisky out there already. And and I do wonder, is it fair to say, I can't think of a time when a Democrat running for uh, president destroyed the like political brand of another Democrat running for president. Really, like. Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton. Okay, Barack Beater, right? 2016, yeah. Hillary runs. And I just feel like right now, people are like, yeah, scorched earth, burn it down. Like, two men enters, one man leaves. Isn't that uh, Thunderdome, right? Two men enter, one man leaves. And it's like, why do we have to take that approach? I don't think Democrats take that approach to primaries. Or maybe, maybe I'm, you know, I don't know. What do you think?
3: I mean, maybe you could argue Bernie Sanders does a little bit of that, right? But I mean, I... Even he comes around at the end. Uh, usually, the Bernie people kind of did that, I guess, with Hillary at times. There were some complaints about that, but I do think we're going down a very dangerous road here. Uh, you know, I mean, I was thinking about this today. Let's just say we get into this, and again, DeSantis hasn't even announced yet. But if he when, if and when he does, they get into this. There's this big battle. Let's just say it's those two. The other candidates never make any noise. And you have a pretty, you know, visceral back and forth between Trump and uh, DeSantis, which I think would be correct to expect at this point. And one of them wins. One of them wins 52-48, and the delegates go the way they go, and one of them gets the nomination. What then? Because you are going to need every single person in the conservative movement and the moderates and old school Republicans and a bunch of libertarians and a bunch of other groups to put together a coalition that's going to actually get over 50% of the vote. You're not gonna do it with Donald Trump's base. You're not gonna do it with Ron DeSantis' base by themselves. And if those two groups hate each other uh, and and will not go out there and vote for the other guy, you're going to lose. I think we saw that in 2016 with the Bernie bros. They got so hardcore on their Bernie train. They got angry at Hillary for what she did, and I think correctly so, on some of that. And some of them uh, did not turn out in 2016. And I think you could argue it cost them the election. This could easily happen again in 2020. And there's no reason for it. Like both of these guys offer things that you can look at and say, okay, these are good things. You know, Trump fights harder than everybody, we know that. But DeSantis has a different brand of fighting that is more tied to maybe policy, and and I think is a, is an approach that's a little harder to uh, attack than uh, than Trump's uh, style. Trump, though, has that will, you know, force of will that he can push through almost anything. I mean, I think you look at just the Stormy Daniels thing, you know, probably sinks a bunch of politicians. He walked right through that and no one even remembered it a few years later. So there's That, something that is one of
0: the reasons against. I try to be, uh, I try to approach this with some degree of humility as a uh, commentator, analyst, whatever, because Trump, all, all the things that we think we know about politics and how it plays out a lot of it doesn't apply to trump or hasn't applied to trump the way we thought it would right it's just totally. there's just stuff that and, and by the way you brought up uh the stormy Daniels thing but even like um you know billy bush tape you know the the democrats thought finished yeah. finished because of i that thought tape. he was i
3: thought he was in serious trouble actually that right, you know, I mean, that. but that's but, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly right that's you're like oh gosh like right before the election that's not you know we could talk about whether it really was a big deal or not. But the point is, it wasn't going to play well. And Trump is just like, meh, whatever. Like, yeah, locker room talk. Leave it alone. And yeah. people were just like, okay, like, that's it. So there's a different, a different set of rules for him. I will also say, um, you know, uh, the whole meatball Ron thing. I knew that was going to go, go away. And it was because I had seen DeSantis uh, in person a few months apart. And I'm like, this guy just shed like 20 to 25 pounds.
3: Uh, that's a guy, that's a man who's running for president Yeah, uh, right there. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, sudden, I was like hey, Trump Jim.
0: who liked, like me, I can't speak for you fondness for cheeseburgers oh, okay. I yep. have to mm-hmm. have the gluten free bun, but I don't know if Trump with his fondness for cheeseburgers should be calling somebody else like, you know, meatball Ron or whatever. Like I'm just, you know, I thought that was, that was not the nickname not as good. I'm a, a, a newly married man, Stu. And you've been, how, how many years you've been married? Oh my gosh.
3: Uh, t- 21 this year. We just went through our twentieth. Just our, I went through. We just did our twentieth uh, anniversary. Uh, yeah, last year. All right. You're, you're going
0: to give me. You're going to give me some marital advice and even settle settle a dispute uh, with my wife over something. So now we're really going to get you in trouble. We're going to come back yeah, in, in a second. That's right. Keep it on the hot seat, everybody. But have you ever tried Chalk? Let me tell you about it. If you want better energy, better focus, better drive, you can get dialed in with the right everyday supplements from Chalk, and they're helping so many young men and women in this audience. I've introduced you to Chalk now for months, and they make the most effective supplements that bring your energy levels back to normal. They spend years looking for the right helpful ingredients and organize them into products especially made for men and women. So if you're looking for something to get you a little bit of a boost that's more than just, in my case, you know, used to be coffee cup number five or six in the afternoon, try Chalk's Male Vitality Stack. And for the ladies out there, hormone optimization and and trying to get the right biochemical balance, really important. You should look you should look into chalk because they have formulated products for women specifically as well. Female Vitality Stack. Go to chalk.com, ch o Q dot com. Use my name Buck for your first purchase on the site. You'll get 35% off any chalk subscription for life. Not just your first purchase, that's for life. com. Use Buck for 35% off your subscription for life. Can be canceled anytime. If you're not going to want to cancel it, you're going to love it. I love the chalk products. They're awesome. All right, Stu. Um, you married 20 years. Good man. Well done. Thank my you. wife. i was surprised as you are. My wife. <laughs> she wants a poodle mix. Now, you may, you may be surprised or not to know. I mean, I lo- you're do- are you a dog guy too? Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, we have three.
0: Okay. What do you have?
3: Well, I hesitate to tell you this, but we have, we have a, uh, a pug who is uh, now 18 years old. President Miles, we call him because he's actually more, more coherent at this stage than our actual president. Then uh, we have uh, our, a golden retriever. And then we just recently got a micro golden doodle.
0: Wow. It's like, <laughs> it's like I'm talking to the enemy here. It's like I'm talking to the enemy. I can't. I don't even know what to say. So what I was going to tell you is her. she loves these poodle mixes. Mm-hmm. She loves, she wants a doodle. She wants a doodle. And I'm. It's not even that the doodle thing. I just poodles for me. I mean, I would rather give me a Rottweiler with a mohawk that like is constantly slobbering over everybody and terrifying. Poodle would just be as, as alone. And I'm the poodle people, in the audience are going to get mad at me, and that's okay. That's just not a high choice dog for me. Poodle mix, I'm maybe wow. okay with. I President Miles, you said is his name. I'm a yes. squashed face dog guy. Oh. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love bulldogs, pugs, boxers, anything, brachycephalic, any of those dogs I think are, are awesome, super cute. We had a French bulldog in my family. By the way, 18, that's like – I'm not even kidding. That's like getting – I think the Guinness world record for a pug is like 20 or something. That's really <laughs> – yeah. anyway.
3: Yeah, he, he looks like he's getting close, unfortunately. I mean, he, we keep thinking every time like Christmas rolls around, we're like, oh, this is going to be the last year. And he's like, nah, screw you. I'm, I'm around for five more. Oh, uh, so I don't know. We we hope we hope. So I
0: need awesome. I need you to I need you to be Solomon here. OK, I need you to help me. I need you to judge the situation. She wants a golden doodle. I want basically an overgrown pug like an English bulldog is that would be my I'd get an English bulldog or something. But, you know, pug would be fine. Pug would be fine. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You. It's like you because you're so is our better option here to go with. And I'm not even kidding. We We've talked about this. Golden Retriever, we feel like, splits the difference. Is Golden Retriever the move, or do we each get the breed of dog that we want and just have two dogs?
3: Wow. Uh, This is a fascinating, fascinating dynamic you're talking about here. Let me give you a quick breakdown of the situation. Um, I love pugs. We've had two pugs. They're awesome dogs. Like the best like uh temperament. They are this all they care about is hanging out with you. They will play with you every second you want to play with them. And then the second you're done, they just flop on the floor, you don't have to deal with them at all. Like they are awesome, awesome, awesome dogs. Um and I love them. We had a one our previous dog uh who passed away was 16. So we got some good years out of both of these dogs. They were awesome. Um the the golden retriever, she's great. I mean, everybody knows golden retrievers are great dogs. They're big, obviously. They're bigger, um, and uh, but you again can have a lot of fun. You, can, you can go to the park and throw the ball, but they'll also curl up next to you. They they you know they're just great temperament dogs. The golden doodle is interesting. So we there's like multiple varieties. Of Aha, the plot
0: thickens there, yeah, Mrs. Right. Sexton. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> no, no, it's I, I. So you have the golden doodle, and like I will be honest with you, like I'm not a like in love with the look of the golden doodle especially the ones that look like giraffes right where they have the like really long legs and they're super tall now our little uh dog ivy it's got she's a micro doodle so i think like second to smallest size i think there's four sizes she's the second to smallest um a a little little dog she's adorable like super um uh like almost like Uh, sheepish like she's super in look as well but like is like super like she'll just kind of sleep walk up really slow like slink in she's like always loves to be pet well like as soon as you stop petting her she'll like put her nose under your hand for you to begin again like she constantly wants attention awesome dog Uh, you know i love her the one big difference here and i don't know what your dynamic is with this buck but i'm going to tell you it's a big one in our house a lot of hair coming off of golden uh, golden retrievers and pucks Every, you pick up your pug, your whole shirt is hair. You, you're petting your dog. There's hair everywhere. This gold, this golden doodle thing is like magic. Am I-, I, I have, I wear a black suit on the air. I carry this dog in a black suit, and not one hair on me. It is like a miracle of modern science. Missus
0: Sexton is is like cheering when she hears this. She's standing ovation. She's this is her, this is her checkmate argument. Because, cause yes, the temperaments are very good. But she says with the doodles, you don't have to worry about hair cleanup everywhere, and especially if she's going to be, you know, uh, tending, making sure that our apartment or house looks nice. You know, ah, uh, damn it. So all right, so so this this brings me back to where I'm, you know. But you, and you also have multiple dogs, so I guess. I guess we're going to have to land here on, on maybe I'm just going to give the wife what she wants because that makes her happy and happy wife, happy life. I think that's probably where I'm going. Look, that's can a I, good argument here. You're, can you're, I just tell uh, you my, my third-party my third ticket idea, as in just, like, nuke the system, which hopefully we don't see in 2024? Sure. Did you yes. know, Stu, that in the state of Florida, you can get, it's very easy, you can get, like, a Class 3 animal license, I think they call it, and then you can legally have a raccoon Fox. There's a whole range and I'm like, all right, honey, fine. You want no shedding? Raccoons don't shed. And she's like, <laughs> but of course, then I see like my marriage flashing before my eyes and she's like, no, nah, that's like not happening. But anyway,
3: you'd be, you'd be turning into Buck Exotic uh, soon and have your own like tiger farm somewhere. <laughs> you know. I, it's, it's right around the corner. It's that's right one around way the corner. to go. Yeah. If you had no, to get I, pet I think- fox
0: or pet raccoon though, this is my last one for you.
3: Oh, I'm going Pet Fox all day on that. But yeah. I, I think uh, you know the raccoon is. I think an angry. I mean, we just heard, we just learned, of course, it wasn't a lab leak at all in Wuhan. It was from raccoon dogs, and I feel like I don't know how raccoon dogs uh, you know get together. I don't know what kind of party creates a raccoon dog where like raccoons and dogs are hanging out, and who knows what yeah. goes on in the back room. But I, I mean, they they've killed millions of us with COVID. I don't want those things around.
0: I was going to say a a mutant <laughs> trash panda causing a virus. Not, not a surprise, right? Not a surprise. No, so <laughs> no, no. That, no. that would make sense. The, the, keep
3: him out <laughs> of <laughs> your, any meals you might be preparing this weekend.
0: Uh, so everybody should go check out Stu Does America, the podcast, and, uh, and check it out on, on TV as well. I assume it's up on TheBlaze.com and on YouTube. And listen for Stu on the Glenn Beck Radio program. Please give the big guy my regards. We'll do. A, you got to come on sometime. We, we, need,
3: we need you to pop on. You, I mean, you haven't been on in a while. You know, I would love an open invitation, Studios America. I know Glenn would love to have you on as well. You got to
0: come on. Thank you. I lo- would love to. I, wanted, I just want to come back and, and see the giant polar bear and the whole studio's there. So it'll be fun. Thank you, yeah, Stu. Thanks still for still hanging there. out. Thanks. See you, Bob. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9 11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T, dot org. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.
2: Moving to Minnesota opened
0: up a lot of doors for us.
4: Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have.
1: It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids.
4: See what makes Minnesota the star of the north. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you.